he was facing uh, with his son at the pregnancy at the abortion clinic there in Philadelphia and how they were sort of uh, getting into their faces and, and just shouting vulgarities, vulgarities, just uh, excrement coming out of the mouth at them and uh, and how his son was trying to endure that, how difficult it was, why he took his son there at all. It's a great conversation. I'll put it in the email this week so that you can rewatch that uh, conversation with Mark Kalk. Well, they played a clip of that on Tucker Carlson's program last night. In addition to interviewing Ryan Marie, his wife, uh, who recounted uh, the the tragedy, the the, the sort of the, the the stressfulness of having all of these FBI agents swarming your property and your house and taking your husband away in handcuffs. So uh, if you missed that Tucker Carlson clip last night, I'm sure it's available on YouTube. Hey, I also saw this morning that Coolio died, uh, 59 years really? old. Yeah, Coolio. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I got to hang out with Coolio one night at a club in Hawaii when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, so it was a, it, come on, y'all, let's take a ride. It was a wild ride that How's night. How's Wormio? Wow. It was a, a wild <laughs> ride. So I don't know the circumstances of Coolio's life, but do keep him in your prayers, the repose of his soul, and all those that would go to uh, to see the Lord today. Uh, let's be prepared for judgment, let's Amen. just say. Hey, uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And uh, wow, let's keep also in our prayers, people of Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, the, the hurricane is starting to go down. So that's uh, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, praise be to God. My dad uh, did text me this yeah, morning. Yeah, your dad? Uh, he, he, so far, so good. No power, of course, and, but minimal damage in his area of Orlando. So thankfully. Good. Thankfully, everything's okay there. But uh, anyway, uh, hopefully, maybe in the after show, you can rap the Coolio song. That'd be uh, fun. I'll look one up. Yeah, I'll look one maybe. up. I'll, I'll Come do my on, best. y'all, let's take a ride. Have you seen those, like, uh, <laughs> you see those pictures of uh, people taking uh, yeah. pop songs and then putting them to Gregorian chant? Yes. Yeah. And Latin Latin versions of them, too. It's, it's, it's always a good time. It's terrible. It's a I good like time. when they make medieval versions of them. Do you? Yeah. Why? With the fife? With the lute. And the, the lute. Yeah. The lute. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Also, guess who's joining us in studio today? Our good friend Pesky Jesuit. Longtime listener of Catholic Drive Time is hanging out with us in the studio this morning. We're going to talk to him in the after show. He's brought us some gifts, too. They're pretty cool. Yeah, I got So uh, good times there. Uh, but we have a lot to get into today. Let's jump in. Let's pray, and uh, let's get started. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, September 2nd, and, uh, not 2nd, my apologies, the 29th of September. And here are your headlines this morning. Reuters reports China fears Giorgia Maloney may cut Italy out of Belt and Road debt trap. China's Global Times state newspaper warned Italian Prime Minister-to-be Giorgia Maloney, the right-wing leader whose party won Sunday's national legislative elections, in an article on Tuesday not to adhere to promises to try to distance Italy from China's influence or undo deals under the banner of the Belt and Road Initiative. The BRI is a global infrastructure program in which China offers poor countries predatory loans to be used to build infrastructure projects, particularly ports, roads, and railways. While the provisions of the BRI contracts are often secret, the little public information available indicates that China imposes high interest rates on the loans and makes demands that party countries cannot meet. 
then uses the demands to seize control of the projects built under the BRI deal. The Hill reports senior Pentagon officials says U.S. absolutely not involved in Nord Stream damage. Uh, kind of a weird thing to say, no? A senior U.S. official said the United States is not involved in the damage of the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines carrying Russian gas earlier this week. Saying, many of our partners think, uh, I think, have determined or believed it is sabotage, the official said. I'm just not at the point where I can tell you one way or the other, the U.S. representative said. Russian officials said that the FSB Security Service is probing the incident as an act of international terrorism, authorities told Interfax. And Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peshkov told reporters Wednesday that suggestions that Russia would damage its own gas pipeline were predictably stupid. Reuters reports, ex-FBI official who led Unabomber task force decries deployment of SWAT teams for January 6 arrests. The man who led the FBI Unabomber Task Force, which ultimately arrested violent suspected terrorist Theodore Kaczynski without deploying a tactical team, is now decrying the use of SWAT teams to arrest January 6 defendants for misdemeanors and warning of the politization, politiza politicization that is, of the Bureau. FBI whistleblower Stephen Friend says the Bureau suspended him and uh, from his job recently from raising for raising a range of concerns about the FBI and DOJ's conduct in the January 6 investigation, including the Bureau's use of SWAT teams to arrest January 6 defendants facing misdemeanor charges, thus violating, he alleges, the Bureau's domestic investigations and operations guide and creating potentially unsafe encounters. Catholic News Agency also reports 40 Days for Life in Spain announces guidelines amid government harassment of pro-lifers. The first 40 Days for Life campaign in Spain since the government criminalized what is deemed harassment at abortion businesses by pro-lifers begins today and ends November 6th. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day, well, it's Michaelmas, so we have to talk about St. Michael. St. Michael is the chief of the angels who fought against the devil and the bad angels and threw them into hell. He is the chief of the guardian angels of individuals and also of institutions. He himself is the guardian angel of the institution of all institutions, which is the holy Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church. He has, therefore, a mission of tutelage. Regarding such mission, we can ask what relation exists between St. Michael's first mission of defeating the revolted angels and the protection he gives men in this valley of tears. The two missions are linked. God wanted St. Michael to be his shield against the devil in the first celestial fight. He also wants St. Michael to be the shield of men against the devil and the shield of the Holy Catholic Church as well. But St. Michael does not limit himself to be a shield of protection. He is also a sword to defeat and hurl the enemy into hell. It is a double mission that is correlated. For this reason, in the Middle Ages, St. Michael was considered the first knight, the celestial knight, faithful, strong, and pure as a knight should be. He was also victorious because he put all his trust in God. And after the birth of Our Lady, all his confidence in her. It is this admirable figure of St. Michael whom we should consider our natural ally in the fights in which we are called to engage in defense of the honor of God, Our Lady, the Holy Church, and Christian civilization. With St. Michael as our model, we should defend them as a shield and attack their enemies as a sword in order to destroy the devil's empire and establish the reign of Mary on this earth. St. Michael should be our special patron. But in our days, people are enthusiastic about money, petty politics, worldly things, the trivial life, 
and it's little news. They are no longer elevated souls who are enthused by great doctrinal problems and celestial things. What we are so greatly lacking today is precisely what the holy angels can obtain for us. They are inundated with a heavenly happiness which they can communicate to us. So let us ask them to give us the desire for celestial things. This is an excellent thing to ask on St. Michael the Archangel's feast day that we might model ourselves after him and become the perfect knights of Our Lady on this earth. That's from the saint of the day from Professor Plinio. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 1 verses 47 through 51. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we've covered this passage, even just recently, it wasn't even all that long ago when this passage came up yet again. So we've talked about it a number of times on the show. But pop quiz, who is the first person in sacred scripture to be called the Son of God? Do you know? Can you guess? It is not Jesus, by the way. It is, in fact, David. In Second Samuel seven fourteen, he was his son, or actually it's referring to his son Solomon, but nonetheless, it would be the successor of David that would be called the son of God. Well, unlike the Davidic predecessors, the kings of Israel, Jesus is different, and it's meant differently here. Jesus, the Son of God by nature and not by covenant of divine adoption, says Ignatius Catholic Commentary today. So, very, very interesting. Augustine says, Good preachers, however, who preach Christ are as angels of God. They ascend and descend upon the Son of Man as Paul, who ascended to the third heaven and descended so far even as to give milk to babes. Close quote, St. Augustine. St. Chrysostom would say, What the greater thing is he proceeds to show. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. See how he raises him from earth for a while, and forces him to think that Christ is not a mere man. For how could he be a mere man whom angels ministered to? It was, as it were, saying that he was the Lord of the angels, for he must be the king's own son, on whom the servants of the king descend and ascend, descended at his crucifixion, ascended at his resurrection and ascension. Angels, too, before this came and ministered unto him, and angels brought the glad tidings of his birth. Our Lord made the present a proof of the future. After the powers he had already shown, Nathaniel would readily believe that much more would follow. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. I like the distinctions made in the early church fathers today on Nathaniel versus Peter. Peter says basically the same thing as Nathaniel, but upon his confession, the church is built and not Nathaniel. Why is that? Because Peter recognizes him as God. Nathaniel recognizes him as a successor of David. 
Let us make clear distinctions in our mind at who this Savior is, who our Lord and Savior actually is. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the second person in the Trinity. And we'll be right back. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLeod. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Mr. Julio Laredo from Tradition, Family, and Property in Italy is going to be our guest to talk about Miss Giorgia Maloney. Her powerful speeches, one of which was taken down and censored on YouTube. I think it's since been restored, uh, but uh, a lot of people are painting her as the new Mussolini. I mean, she, after all, is the leader of the Brothers of Italy. Awkward, but okay. Uh, what is the deal there? Is she a fascist? Is she far right? Or is she more moderate than some people would suggest? Well, we're going to have that conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo. Join us if you can, and do share us with a friend. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Now, I don't know if you caught this story. This is a few days old. I, I had this up yesterday, and I was thinking about jumping into it, but... Uh, we end up having Robert Spencer on, and uh, we were talking about I- Iran. And that is brand new art off the press for the synodal path. I don't know if you saw this or not, but this is very revealing, some would say. The Catholic Vote has an article out, catholicvote.org. Headline says, Synod art depicts women in priestly vestments, person in pride t-shirt. Uh, the article says, as a select group of church representatives gather in for... Frascati, Italy this week, the Catholic Church's Synod on Synodality enters its continental phase. Designed experts from five continents will meet until October the 1st near Rome to review pages of summaries from the 2021-2022 regional Episcopal Synods and produce from them one global synthesis document. I'll give you three guesses what that'll say, and the first two won't count. Hmm, gee, I wonder. Included in the term in the items for review are pieces of artwork which are highlighted on the Synod's official social media platforms, including Facebook and Twitter. One image 
published on the official Synod Facebook page includes a depiction of a woman dressed in priestly vestments. Next to her is a person wearing a rainbow pride t-shirt. Now, if you're watching us on one of the live video feeds, you can see this image. It's uh, it's not even I mean, it's not even all that attractive of an image, irregardless of the political agenda being il- illustrated here. It's just kind of, a bad art style. It is just a bad art style. But nonetheless, it shows a what would look like a cathedral building behind them uh, with some banners floating about. It says animate blossoming mission that is larger than any one of us. We desire to be uh, desire to be on what? On advisory council or something like that, uh, and that you know, so there's we some. We are the future. We are the future. Mm-hmm. And then there's people holding hands. Uh, people of various uh, skin tones. Let's just say uh, genders. I see. Well, most. Yeah, the very, sure what the guy in the couple of is. genders going on here. And then there's this one person wearing vestments who is clearly uh, a female, depicted as a female. Now that's very interesting. You would expect something like that, say, out of the Episcopal Church. I mean, this is pretty common there. Uh, but in the Catholic Church, of course, women can't be be uh, ordained. And so to see the Catholic Church staff people, whomever, uh, put this together, hmm, why is that? That's very revealing. The article goes on to say the origins and purpose of the artwork are unknown. J.D. Fenn, Flynn, rather, of the Pillar reported, quote, I'm not actually sure whether it's fan art or included in a national synthesis document, or has instead been sketched out while these folks are at work on the next stage, close quote. So somebody apparently was like uh, working on this, like while they were going through the documents? I'm not even sure. The art in question is a graphic novel style and includes English words, images, and symbols, as well as the official watermark seal of the Synod. And there you go. It includes the official watermark seal of the Synod. And then there's, uh, they actually, in this uh, CatholicVote.org uh, article, they actually post the Twitter screenshots from the official Synod Twitter handle. It says, in Frascati 22, our experts are working on the synthesis produced during the local consultation phase, pages and pages full of stories, insights, but also, in some cases, real works of art. Uh, and then they show this particular art which is, I would argue, not real art. It is a, it's a, it's really just confusing. It's propaganda. I mean, it's propaganda that much we know. But it's ugly. But it's ugly and confusing propaganda. Yeah. It's not like the Uncle Sam with his finger right. pointing out to say, you know, Uncle Sam needs you. you wrote, what is it, Rosie Rivet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, Rivet. that was yeah. good propaganda. Yeah. Even the communists come up with better propaganda. Like, this is confusing weird it's not really great ugly it's yeah there's nothing there's nothing redeeming about this in addition to it being propaganda yeah because like your eyes get lost on it it's like you just i don't know what to make of this too busy gospel teachings and values love it, embodying unconditional love you forgot active listening oh i forgot active listening yeah but if you look at it from a progressive standpoint this is like a this is probably tip top you know because it's <laughs> just it's just like buzzwords you go to uh, or you go to any of the images of uh, protests and things. It's mm-hmm. just buzzwords mm-hmm. on boards and stuff like. Ah, I hate this. I, I hate looking at it. You know, and I guess this emphasizes the issues we have with the synodal process. They're so anxious to reinvent the wheel here. They're so anxious to to uh, to change uh, church teaching, 
to uh, get us to acquiesce to the world, the flesh, and the devil. James, in his epistle, reminds us to not be friends with this world, to, uh, to reject the world and all of its lies in hopes of saving some in the world. It's an act of charity to reject the lies of the world. So anyway, there's been a lot, a lot of uh, backlash uh, on this, of course, and there ought to have been, because this is really, really uh, bad. In fact, I'm surprised we've not seen, and if you guys correct me, I don't think we've seen a single official statement out of the Vatican to say, hey, this is inappropriate. Of course, <laughs> no. we don't uh, ordain women. We wouldn't well, depict them as such. One thing I did see was someone had mentioned that this artwork was actually out of a... Uh, a college synod in Philly, mm-hmm. and that the Vatican just started just reposted it. Which I mean, even if that's true, the official Vatican Twitter handle, the official Vatican, exactly. So the like, so they, the the official Vatican synod mm-hmm. Twitter handle retweeted it and posted it on Instagram. So even if it wasn't created by the synod itself, the official uh, <laughs> departments of the synod, these kind of departments don't interact in the same way that actual people interact. They are very yeah. uh, disciplined about what they're going to retweet, what they're going to post. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they post it is very concerning, especially the one with the uh, the yellow-orange one that uh, I think is like the second picture they posted. The yellow-orange one? Yes. The, <laughs> the, the, and that one it <laughs> has the back and forth of what they're going from to what they're going to. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. saying like, oh, you're going from... From abuse to deep care, from scripture oh, to why, okay. I got it and on one the of them right is yeah. Catholic identity to LGBTQ identity, right? Yeah. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. And then from intolerance to uh, to a tolerance, and this is an issue. This is actually an issue because having tolerance, we tolerate evil things. That's what that's the definition of tolerance. Because if you are agreeing with something or you love something, you're not tolerating it. You're enjoying it. It's something that's good. You're supporting it. But if you are intolerant, you are intolerant of things that are bad. And so we really should have a spirit of intolerance. And it comes about exclusion to inclusion. That's another problem. Because if we include everything, you cease to being anything. Just like if a country completely opens its borders and allows every single person to come in, you're no longer a country because you're just, you're just, you have open everything. So an organization has to exclude somebody. Yeah. And the people that are excluded from the church are people who don't believe in the faith. Yes, uh, it is very, very concerning, which reminds us of all of the continued insanity coming out of some of the bishops in Europe. And I saw this other story this morning. Dutch cardinal condemns Belgian bishops' same-sex blessings, calls for Vatican correction. Praise be to God. Uh, I, I would agree, and I think this ought to be addressed uh, as soon as possible. In Utrecht, Netherlands, the cardinal archbishop of Utrecht, Wilhelm uh, Echt, Echt, I don't know how to say his name correctly, Mia culpa, has called for the Flemish bishops of Belgium to be corrected by ecclesiastical authorities for their departure from the church's moral and sacramental discipline with their publication of the, quote, right of blessing, close quote, for the same-sex couples. The Flemish bishop's document with its proposed liturgical blessing for same-sex couples was issued on September the 20th, shortly after German bishops approved documents of their synodal way insisting on acceptance of homosexual unions by the church. 
Cardinal Ect of Utrecht strongly objected to the so-called right of blessing, pointing out several reasons it must be rejected and the bishops responsible publicly corrected. Although the blessing does not claim the status of equality of the sacrament of marriage, the cardinal drew attention to the fact that it nonetheless clearly models itself on the right of marriage. Well, even if they did claim that, it wouldn't be true. Okay, you can you can claim all you wish. Uh, that doesn't make it true, just because one claims it. The article goes on to say the Declaration Prayer Act said, in which same-sex couples commit to each other, shows an unequivocal analogy with the I do that a man and a woman say to each other during the marriage ceremony. However, as it is, uh, as is obvious to Catholics who adhere to church's teaching on the sinfulness of homosexual acts and the inherent disorder of homosexual inclinations, such uh, commitment to each other on the part of same-sex couples would constitute grave public sin and stand contrary to the natural order of human sexuality established by God, an order founded upon the sexual complementarity of man and woman for the sake of procreation. Therefore, as is as the cardinal insists, such a commitment by same-sex couples cannot be blessed by God or the church. Yea and amen, cardinal. Thank you for your uh, for your outspokenness on this issue. Calling out brother bishops, I understand, is very uncomfortable and not fun, but needed nonetheless. And uh, we do need clarity in a world of confusion. Clarity is charity, and uh, we need to see more of this from these bishops who don't want to stand because ultimately they are pushing very hard. I mean, just look at this artwork. I make I think it makes it very clear. Uh, official Vatican Twitter feeds, etc. There is an an implicit approval there is an implicit implicit uh uh endorsement of these grave immoral behaviors pretending as though these things are good okay and they're not they're harmful they're harmful to the people who practice them they're harmful to the people who think that they're okay and they are incredibly harmful to the next generation of young people who are going to be confused by such mixed messaging uh the our lord and savior is the same yesterday today and forever and his he is God, as the gospel makes clear to us today. He is God incarnate. And so if if that's true, then that has incredible implications on how we choose to live our life. Do you see what I'm saying? If he's not just a prophet, not just a good man, a good teacher, he's not just some nice guy saying eloquent things, but if he, in fact, is God taken upon flesh, then what he has taught, what he has asked his church to do has grave implications upon humanity and we should pay very close attention to that so it is either true or it is not and if it is true then you must change your life you must choose very carefully very wisely how you're going to live your life it is not about just saying no to people it is about saying yes to God and the design he has for our life and if we embrace such error such immorality it will lead to the destruction of souls and one day we will all stand before the Creator, and we will have to give an account for every word, every deed we've ever committed. We should prepare well while we still have time. And listen, coming up after this break, Rudy Carlos is going to catch us up on the news again, and then Mr. Julio Laredo is going to be on. Our fascists back in power in Italy? We'll have that conversation next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? 
Well, G.K. Chesterton says, It is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Sky News reports, Joe, you're going to love this one. Drinking two to three cups of coffee a day linked to a longer life. Drinking two to three cups of coffee a day could be linked to a longer life. Research suggests that when compared to avoiding coffee, it also associated, it was also associated with lower risk of cardiovascular disease. The study's findings applied to ground, instant, and decaffeinated versions of the drink, and researchers suggested coffee consumption could be considered part of a healthy lifestyle. This was, uh, the study was published in the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology. Catholic News Agency reports four regions of Ukraine to be folded into Russia on Friday. The Kremlin says that uh, four regions of Ukraine that held referendums on joining Russia will, Russia will be incorporated into the country on Friday. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peshkov said that the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, will attend a ceremony in the Kremlin at which they will officially be folded into Russia. And I'm sorry, that was actually from Ground News. Daily Wire reports Hurricane Ian slams into Florida as powerful Category 4 hurricane. Hurricane Ian slammed into southwest Florida as a powerful category for hurricane on Wednesday afternoon, after more than 2 million Floridians were given evacuation orders. With 150 mile per hour winds, Hurricane Ian is tied for the fourth strongest hurricane to ever hit the state, according to meteorologist Philip Klotzbach. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said that his administration mobilized fleets of high water vehicles, 42,000 linemen, and 7,000 National Guardsmen and 179 aircraft to respond to the hurricane. Prior to hitting Florida, Hurricane Ian knocked out Cuba's entire electrical grid and uh, it plunged the entire communist island into darkness. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. By the way, if you're not on our email list, you should get on our email list. I, I will include the, the uh, video that uh, Tucker Carlson used in his uh, cast last night from our show in the email list. I'll send that out tomorrow around noon. I also always include some great entertainment for your weekend as well. You can join our email list on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Joining us right now from Italy, from the Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Properties, Mr. Julio Laredo. Good morning to you, Mr. Laredo. 
Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning to everybody, and thanks very much for inviting me. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to see you again. Uh, last time we had you in studio live, so we're uh, grateful to have you back on the program. Uh, so much has happened since then to catch up on, but let's talk about Italy. There's been a lot of talk here in uh, in North America about fascism on the rise again in Italy with the uh, the rise of the Brothers of Italy party and the first ever prime minister of Italy being a female, Mr. Mrs. Uh, Giorgia Maloney. Tell us about this from your perspective, having lived there for so long. Well, to, to begin with, all this rubbish, all this uh, fascist accusation is just rubbish. You have to understand <clears throat> one thing, that for many decades, what was conservatism in Italy, I mean in 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, was uh, associated in one or other way with the, with the fascist party of Benito Mussolini. Mm. The real fascists were a minority within the fascist party. But because it was the only anti-communist party, it attracted people who were not fascist. They were Catholic, they were anti-communist, they were conservatives, they were against the decadence of the family, and so on. <clears throat> so from that fact comes that a part of the conservative public in Italy, in one way or, or the other, has one or two roots in that reality. So... It's true to say that Georgia Meloni, in her coalition, has a minority, but I'd say it's extreme minority that comes from that, let's call it tradition. But that's absolutely false. First, that she's a fascist, and second, that she's bringing fascism to power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I heard this morning, I think it was on, um, hmm, maybe it was Deutsche Welle or maybe it was the BBC, I can't recall. But they, they even went so far as to say that she herself... Uh, was an admitted fascist in her youth, in her younger years, uh, I guess coming out of, uh, you know, in her 20s or whatnot. So I don't know if you know much of her background there, but uh, did she ever actually, was she a, an out-and-out -out, uh, proponent of fascism ever in her life? Now, she was a militant when she was young. She was a militant of the MSI, the, uh, so, the Italian social movement which was the ideal heir to the fascist party. Mm -hmm. But it was a democratic party. It had a, a, uh, um, it had a very important representation in parliament, and it had done away with all the errors of fascism. As I said, what the MSI did, it assumed the inheritance. It assumed the tradition of anti-communism in Italy. Now, that there were string minorities that continued to be fascist, that's a, that's a, that's a fact, but that's not her case. Yeah, she, her, her speeches are getting quite a bit of attention, uh, very powerful, very passionate speeches that she's made, not only in the Italian parliament, but at various events that have made the videos <laughs> online. In fact, YouTube took one down recently. I think they did re reinstate it after the backlash. Uh, but some are comparing her to Viktor Orban in Hungary or uh, Marie Le Pen in France. How do you see her? Well, the thing is this, and this is an extremely important point for an analyst like me. In politics, it's less important what the person or who the person is, the candidate or the president is, rather than what he represents. Giorgia Meloni re 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 represents the anti-revolutionary reaction in Italy. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important fact. Just as in the United States, excuse me if I give an American 
example, you can think about Trump, whatever you want. He represents a certain reaction. He represents a certain movement <clears throat> of the public that doesn't want to go in the wrong way, meaning the leftist way. So Georgia Meloni right now, she, because after the flop of Silvio, uh, uh, Silvio Berlusconi, after the flop of Matteo Salvini, she is representing this reaction. She's representing this movement, which has been very visible. I've, I've written about this reactive move, movement already in the late 1990s. It was already visible back then. So what we have to, to do, and the, the most intelligent and most uh, open uh, analysts and politicians in Europe and in the world, that's what they're doing, say, let's uh, stop with all this uh, name, name calling and see exactly what she's going to do. Because she's not even president. I mean, she, she, she's, uh, she, she hasn't been elected. And this is another, another point. In Italy, there's a parliamentarian system. What happened is that her coalition got a majority in parliament. Now the president of the state, Sergio Mattarella, will have to convoke her to form a government. Then she will have to submit that government to parliament. And if she manages to have a majority, then she will be named uh, prime minister. Oh, wow. I didn't realize how many more steps there were in that process. But the uh, one thing that really caught my eye whenever she was the, her speech, she had mentioned God, homeland, and family. And immediately I was thinking, uh, I don't know the context. I'm not very uh, well-read in fascist material. So people were immediately like, she, the, her speech is very fascist. I'm like, is, was that a calling cry of the fascist? I don't know. But what it did sound like to me was I was thinking, I was like, that sounds like a the calling cry of tradition, family, and property. Uh, what did you think about that speech that kind of went viral? Look, um uh, Dio, Patria, Familia, God, Fatherland, and Family, is one of the traditional mottos of, of, of the conservatives, of the traditionalists, and not only in Europe, but uh, in Italy, but throughout, throughout Europe. Now, that is very similar to tradition, family, and property, and indeed, the organ of the extreme left called Il Reformista, the uh, uh, reformist, said that Meloni represents tradition, family, and property. Now, I know her personally in the sense that I've spoken with her very quickly uh, a couple of times. There are no institutional contacts between us and her party and, and her personally, but there are many friends within her party because, as I said, she has served as a rallying point for so many people who want to react. And that's the important fact. Mm. There are even one think tank already opened and another one in the making so as to give a more traditionalist Catholic uh, content to her party. So if to the extent that uh, the party um, uh, strategists, let's call it, the, um, uh, will give, um, will give uh, space for the ideas coming from this uh, think tanks and from Catholic traditionalism or from Catholicism, in general, I think that she will do a good government in to the extent that she will open windows to the other side. Mm -hmm. It will be bad already. Two or three ministers that have been spoken about are not good.
Wow. Uh, we have just about a minute before we have to go to a hard break. We're talking to Mr. Julio Laredo from the Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. Uh, you know, people are loving. There's so much I want to cover. I'll do more on the other side of the break. But they are loving her pro-family, pro-God, anti, uh, anti-globalist platform. And yet it was the lowest turnout in, uh, in recent Italian elections. Anything to that? You got about uh, 30, 40 seconds. Well, you have to, to listen to her speech during the World Congress of Families, I think 2018, in Verona. I was there. It was there where I knew her personally. We spoke about 15 minutes. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry and, I'm going to have to pause you. We just, I didn't time that well enough. But Mr. Julio Laredo uh, is our guest. We're going to pick up right there on the other side of the break. Plus, I want to ask about some of the party platform policies. How Catholic is she? We're going to have that conversation. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're having a conversation about Georgia Maloney. Um, potentially, I guess is the better way to say this, potentially the first female prime minister of Italy. And there's still a few steps that have to take place. Mr. Julio Laredo is our guest. He's been talking about that. Just before the break, I was setting this up that uh, so many... Uh, people in the West are like, wow, look at the passion. Look at the look in her eyes when she stares down uh, those who oppose her and uh, and and lifts up the family, lifts up God, lifts up conservatism and national identity against a globalist agenda. And that is where you, we had to interrupt you, Mr. Julio Laredo, so if you could pick up right there. Um, I was saying, I was saying, saying, saying this, there is a process of decadence in Italy, in Europe, in the whole world, in the United States, we all see it. That dec- decadence <clears throat> is not only political, not only economic, but, but is especially culture, cultural, and therefore moral. And the reaction that has been building up in Italy, in Europe, and in so many other countries in the world expresses itself in the defense of certain values 
that are being denied are, are being destroyed by the left. For example, national identity. Um, here in Europe, there's a tendency to form the, um, the union of the Soviet European republics. And that's not my, my line. This is uh, Vladimir Bukovsky, you know, this famous Russian dissident in, in the early 2000s. He already said, you are, we are going towards the constitution of the union of the Soviet European re republics. Well, there's a whole move, movement that said, no, we are Italian. And within Italy, there's the north, there's the south, there are the several, several re regions. Therefore, a, a very healthy traditionalism. And in this sense, Georgia, Meloni, and me too, he, she is against this European Union, not against a European Union. She favors what is called the Europe of Nations, that is, a free confederation of nations, each one having its own identity, its own tradition. Second point, the European uh, Union has been extremely lacist, lacist meaning lay, um, uh, attacking religious beliefs, be it Catholic or being any other, but especially Catholic beliefs. Now, that's part of, of Christian beliefs in general. Well, that's part of our being European. That's part of, of our being Western. So she's very much uh, in favor of defending the Christian traditions of Europe. The revolution wants to destroy the family as a, an, as a natural institution and as a sacrament. Mm -hmm. Well, the family is the foundation of society. It is the foundation for the uh, uh, good um, uh, well-being, for the well-being of the of the children, etc., etc. So Georgia Meloni defends the family because the family, she says, it was it it's what gives us an identity. Mm -hmm. Now, so she's against a homosexual quotation marriage, mm -hmm. uh, against the LGBTQT, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, agenda, because this is all part of the cultural moral revolution that is devastating our society. Yeah. When it comes to abortion, and this is very important for American public, when it comes to abortion, her position is less clear. Because unfortunately, here in Italy, we, we, we have the 194 law approved with the support of the bishops and of the church, with the support of the bishops' conference. It was voted by a Catholic government and signed by a Catholic president, a Catholic prime minister, and four Catholic ministers. That's horrible. And the only abortion law in the world that was voted by the Catholics and not by the left. Now, it's a restrictive law. Uh, it doesn't permit, uh, well, in paper. In reality, it opened the, uh, the door wide, op wide open for uh, abortion all the way down to the ninth month of pregnancy. Now, so there are so many people who are now not well informed or not well oriented who say, let's just apply correctly that 194 law. Well, this is not good. And unfortunately, this seems to be her uh, position. So in pro-life, the strictly pro-life issues, she's a little bit less, uh, less, uh, less firm. Now, I suggest, as you said, that you hear, that you listen to her speech at the World Congress of Families in Verona. I think it's 2018. I, uh, like I said, I was there. 
and her speech uh, that was in 2019 or 20 in Spain, in Madrid, in a Vox uh, public uh, public rally. Hmm. Mr. Loretta, I, um, I ask for your... Uh your mercy here. I, I am not as uh, informed in uh, Italian politics or what a parliamentary system there uh, looks like. But, you know, I'm wondering, since you mentioned, you know, on the difference between practical and something on paper, I'm wondering, would her victory be, would her victory bring in some sort of practical implications that we would consider uh, a win for, for conservative people? Or is it just going to be more of the same? Uh, you know, I, I, I am cautious sometimes when I see headlines of people winning elections and they champion them to be as uh, the most conservative people or a win for conservatism. But in reality, the practical implications are sometimes pretty slim, if any. What do you think? Well, I just wrote an article. I sent it to the American TFP yesterday. They might uh, translate it. I can send it to you in, in the original uh, Italian. You can do a Google, uh, a Google translation. Basically, it's this. As I've been saying, there is a reaction, there's a movement of reaction that has very, very deep roots, and it's coming all the way since the 1990s, mm. and it's very easy to follow. Well, it just happened that today, Georgia Meloni concentrated in, in her this reaction and won the first free elections in Italy since 2008. So this wow. is another point that has to be taken into consideration. Italians has, haven't voted since 2008. So parla Parliament has perpetuated itself electing people of their own mm. as presidents without e uh, ever consulting the Italian people. The first real free elections that we, we've had in 15 years are this ones now. And wow. the certain, certain, yeah, those are the problems of the parliamentarian uh, system, which is very different from the presidential system that you have in the uh, United States. Now, will not so much she, but you know, a party is made of scholars, is made of analysts, is made of um, people who actually for us write and form the the program of the party. Will they understand that the Italian people has put in their hands not only the Italian government? But more deeply, the mission to react against the revolution, the mission, the mission to defend the family, defend the uh, national identity, defend the church, defend innocent life, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and 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 that's historical mission. Will the party pundits, let's call them like this, the party pundits understand this and make an, an anti-revolutionary government? or will they uh, fall back on politics as usual? Unfortunately, the first signs have been a little bit mixed. On the one hand, there are very good signs, there are very good promises that have to be then uh, effectuated. And there's much, unfortunately, there's much politics as usual because all the parties are, are you say, vying, no, are, are trying to to grab their own, their own bit of the cake. How will this be? I don't know. But the fact is that there are people, the TFP, the Italian TFP is one, but there are many other people who will put uh, Georgia Meloni's gov gov government on the hot spot. 
mm. when it comes to defending the real the real values. Yeah. And one thing I said in this I say in, in this article, um, analysts here distinguish between what they call a structural vote and a personal vote. Structural vote means a vote for the program. Personal vote means a vote for the leader. Unfortunately, Georgia Meloni has only 19% of structural vote, that is a vote for her party's program. 81% is a personal vote for her. Now, the charisma of, of a leader comes and goes very easily. Will she be able to transform this personal vote, her own charisma, into a vote for the party's program, for the ideas, for the values, that's the great question that everybody now in, in Italy is asking himself. Real quickly, we only have a couple minutes left in our conversation. You know, you're, we're saying all these things and American politics is receiving all this kind of propaganda. And what is the perception of the Italian people, the average Italian uh, citizen about this whole situation? It's exactly what I said. They were, excuse me, the expression, they were fed up with not being able to vote. And they were sick and tired of seeing all these left-wing politicians become presidents without ever winning one single election. Mm -hmm. The first opportunity that they've, they've, they've had to ex express their views, to express their, their mind, they voted massively because in the Senate, the center-right coalition, uh, the majority is 201. There are 400 senators, 201 makes a majority. They have 238 wow. senators. Wow. In the House of Deputies, the majority um, is uh, 400. Uh, excuse me. Um, Senate is 100. Uh, Senate is 400. They, they, they have 45 votes more than the absolute majority. So they have the numbers to do a very stable government. In fact, mm. they can do whatever they want. Now, the Italian people also express itself in the regional and local elections, because along with the general national federal elections, there were many local elections. Most, except one of the left-wing candidates at the local level, mm -hmm. lost. Really? Wow. So this is also very important, and it forms the whole the, the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So the Italian people voted massively. It's not a majority of 50 plus one. It's a huge majority that they now have in Parliament and at the local level. Wow. Well, we are just down to uh, the end mm -hmm. of our conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo, Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property based out of Italy. We're very grateful for your insight. We'll be watching keenly what happens with Miss uh, Maloney and uh, hopefully that uh, she changes her heart and her policy positions and her party's position on abortion to align with true Catholic moral teaching. God bless you, Mr. Laredo. Thank you for your time today. God bless you. And again, thank you very much for inviting me. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, Hector Molina is going to be on to talk about the Sunday Gospel. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. 
Hi, this is Sister Dee Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. This is the Holy Family Homeschool Group, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul! Just who to believe these days? Fascists on the rise. Can you hear the sound of the boots marching there? Some people would say, some would say. Some would say. Do we get a pair of uh, quality Italian handmade boots? Is she Mussolini Jr.? Hmm. Some people are actually painting her into that light. But you know what gets me? I meant to bring this up. We just didn't run out of time. Mr. Julio Laredo had so much to offer as far as context goes. You know, and she's not a perfect character by any stretch of the uh, imagination, Miss Giorgia Maloney in Italy. Uh, But she is exciting a lot of people for sure. Um, You know, what gets me is... People talk about fascism as though it's some sort of conservative. You know, he did talk about how they got mixed, right? So there's mm, a lot of conservatism yeah. that got mixed into it in uh, in the 19th or the uh, yeah the 19th century there, 18th uh, the 20th century. We're talking 1900s in Europe. Socialism was on the rise all across Europe, and it became a battle, a war for for who gets to have their flavor of socialism enacted. Mm-hmm. So you have Nazi socialists, you got fascist socialists, you got communism, all still Marxist socialism, it's just different points along the journey. 
and they're all fighting each other over who gets to decide what their their flavor of socialism gets to be enacted. To this day, there's still some socialist uh, elements. elements still yeah. in these governments all across Europe. I mean, hello, uh, you can pretty much go to college for free as citizens of these countries because of socialism, right? So uh, it's very interesting to me how they they paint socialism, which fascism is a brand of, sort of a quasi-mix between socialism and free market capitalism. Uh, but the cooperation between government and and public uh, and private entities is a socialist idea. So uh, nonetheless, they always paint this to be some sort of very Republican type of conservative thing. And it's like, no, just call for what it is, what it is. Like, stop, stop playing these games. I mean, it's either conservative or it is not. And in this case, they are, they're always messing with that. But uh, can we turn up the volume a little bit on that, Adrian? This is uh, Mrs. Uh, Maloney giving a speech. I think this was from 2018. And what I, one of the things I like about her, I, look at the eyes. She looks very sincere. What, regardless of what you think of her politics, she does look very sincere, very determined. In her in her uh, in her approach, and I like that about the speeches that she gives. But I, I'm very concerned about where she lands on, as Mr. Julio Laredo pointed out, and I've seen it on a website here. You know, she basically supports abortion uh, except for past the first three months. So that's that's definitely a major problem. That's a huge roadblock as Catholics. Um, but the point he made, Mr. Laredo, in the last hour, if you missed it, I, let me encourage you to get onto our podcast feed. And to uh, and to get tuned into our podcast from our conversation, Mr. Julio Laredo, is that the complexity of the abortion issue in Italy stems from the fact that you got Catholics everywhere debating this issue. You got Catholic bishops seemingly endorsing it. You got Catholic parliamentarians seeming, uh, you know, also endorsing it, voting for it. Catholic, 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 Catholic. So. Unless you're like super solid in your faith and you can stand against the Catholic tide of Catholicism uh, being hijacked by certain individuals. Well, I hope she can. I hope she, if in fact she becomes the prime minister, I hope in fact she changes this for Italy, changes the course of, of the direction of this. But if you haven't seen any of her, of her talks, of her speeches, of her presentations, especially the one in Parliament, there's like one of her going off in Parliament. Could you imagine if our system was like that? Like you see these senators no, basically throwing down every time. It's all, it's theater. I mean, it, it's, it's we have theater. elements of that here, I suppose. They get up and they, and Canada's got it. Of course, the UK has it. You know, and I just can't take it seriously. You know, they stand up and they face each other off and they start. I mean, it's like hot debate. Whereas in our system, they get to debate, but it's like timed, it's sanitized, and most of the time. Your opponent is not even in the room. They're not even there listening to you. That's not cool. Yeah. Whereas this, I mean, this isn't the video we're playing right now is not from Parliament. It's just a speech she gave. And she is like uh, very passionately. You know, one thing I notice is that she has legitimate um, actions and demeanor and tone mm -hmm. of a rhetorician. Whereas mm -hmm. American politicians really don't have the skill of rhetoric. They kind of just give their speeches as if they're reading it. Um, even the best ones, like people would say that Barack Obama was a great rhetorician, but <laughs> yeah. really, he really wasn't. Yeah. He, what about the cadence of President Trump? 
No, Trump is not a great rhetorician either. I mean, Trump is uh, is entertaining, but I wouldn't say that. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, very interesting, nonetheless. Uh, I do encourage you to check out our podcast for our conversation, Mr. Julio Laredo from the Society of uh, Tradition, uh, the, the Defense of the Tradition, Family, and Property, giving us some great context on the Italian political system, on the implications of this, and so much more. You can find everything linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll be watching it very closely, following up with that conversation when more develops there. But joining us right now by phone is our good friend Hector Molina. Good morning to you, Hector. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. How many times have you been to Italy? Have I been to Italy? Actually, only once. Oh, yeah? Oh yeah, Rome. I was there for the the beatification of John Paul II. Oh wow, fantastic! No kidding. That, that yeah. must have been crowded. Did you get a chance to uh, to see much while you were there? I was in the front row of my hotel lobby. <laughs> 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 you couldn't move in Rome. Oh I yeah, move. I bet. I bet it was super crowded. Uh, yeah, all of Poland was there. Yeah, I'm sure all of Poland moving into Rome for the day. Yeah, I bet it was. Hey, let's get ready for the Sunday Gospel. Uh, I guess it's Luke chapter 17, verses five through ten for this uh, coming Sunday. What are we looking at here? Well, Jesus continues to impart to his disciples and to the multitudes and the scribes and the Pharisees a series of what we call the hard teachings of Jesus. It's been rough over the last several chapters. He's delivered very stinging and sobering parables. And as we left off last week with the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, Jesus, just prior to to this Sunday's pericope, he delivers a series of statements regarding the importance of forgiving, of not holding on to bitterness or strife, but forgiving our neighbor. So he's really exhorting his disciples in a very, very powerful way. He's he's calling them to holiness. Mm. And they respond to this by crying out to the Lord, saying, Lord, increase our faith because we just don't have it. (laughs) What you're calling us to is it's impossible by human standards to be able to fulfill. And the Lord's response is, is, again, in his inimitable way, it is quite parabolic and it is really striking. He employs this image that many of us are familiar with, the mustard seed. He says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this sycamine tree, be rooted up and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So he he pulls out this image, this metaphor, that is really, really striking for a number of reasons. Now, this is lost on us moderns. We don't understand fully the context, and this is why Scripture study is so fascinating, because we're familiar with the mustard seed. Mm -hmm. We know that earlier in the Gospel, he gives the parable of the mustard seed. He likens it to the kingdom. And the kingdom that begins as a tiny mustard seed, proverbially one of the smallest seeds known in that region. And he likens that to the kingdom that grows into this great tree, and all of us essentially abide in the branches. Well, he uses that image, but he applies it in a different way here. He says, if you have faith at the size of a mustard seed, you could say to the sycamine tree, basically be uprooted and planted in the sea. And This really would have left his listeners scratching their heads like, wait a minute, because they knew 
that the sycamine tree was a tree that grew to about 30, 35 feet high or tall, but its root system was one of the most extensive root systems of all the trees in the Middle East, in Palestine at that time. It would have been impossible to uproot a sycamine tree because their roots grew hundreds of feet below ground. Wow. And they were able to survive in very arid and difficult conditions uh, because their roots grew so deep, they were able to tap into the moisture there. So this notion of uprooting a sycamine tree, impossible. But then you add to that the fact that he's saying, well, all you need to do is say to this tree, be uprooted and essentially commit suicide in the sea, and it would obey you. That was a metaphor that really stuck out in their minds because the sycamine tree, because of its rootedness, was seen as, and according to the Lord here, interpreted as a symbol for for trials, for tribulations, for seemingly impossible odds. And Jesus is saying, listen, you can uproot this sycamine tree <laughs> with one word if you had mustard size seed faith. And this was something that struck them. On top of that, you have the fact that the fruit that this tree produced was bitter. It was bitter and difficult to digest. And that was a symbol of the bitterness and the unforgiveness that he preached about just a few verses ago, saying you've got to forgive your neighbor who offends you seven times a day, which essentially represents a limitless number of times. They were saying, Lord, increase our faith because we just can't do this. And he says, no, you can uproot this bitterness. You can uproot all this malice and unforgiveness if you place your trust in me, if you exercise just a little bit of your faith you're able to do the impossible. And that was something that I think really struck the disciples is they were having a hard time following Jesus and really reconciling his teaching with their limits, with their weaknesses. And I don't know about you, Joe, but I also, in my own life, looking at myself, I said, Lord, how can I do this? How can I become a saint? How can I forgive as you call me to forgive? And love as you call me to love, how can I overcome these trials and tribulations? How can I uproot the deep roots of unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy and strife in my heart? And he says, listen, all you need is to apply your faith. If you exercise that faith, you cry out to me, then I will enable you to be able to do the impossible. And that, that for me, <laughs> is a word, a timely word, Amen. especially in this day and age when people are facing so many trials. Yeah. And tribulations. You know, when I'm going through the Gospels, I always like to pay attention who exactly he's speaking to primarily. You know, I think uh, mm -hmm. too often when we read, we just apply everything to ourselves personally, and we have to be mm -hmm. reminded we're not the primary audience, we're the fly on the wall who gets to overhear this thing. So, and in sure. this case, he's really been instructing and teaching his apostles and preparing them for what they will have to eventually do without him walking next to them side by side the whole time, right? Uh, you know, exactly. uh, being the actual apostles and the foundation of the bishops that will come after them. And uh, so he takes them through the, the disappointment and the rejection of the Samaritans, and, and now he's trying to talk to them about their faith. I mean, I, what is the implication there, though? That they are probably going to not have great faith. <laughs> like, he, the implication exactly. is, you bishops, <laughs> you apostles, are going to be weak in the faith category. Be warned. Yes. Be, that should be a sobering passage for bishops. 
Oh, goodness. Listen, they've spent almost three years with him. He has, on at least five occasions, when you count throughout the Gospels, said to them, ye of little faith. And so he's on the death march right now. He's on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. And still, he regards their faith as being weak. <laughs> That's to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. And they recognize, as he continues to preach and to teach and to deliver these parables, that they're just not up to the task. But Jesus nevertheless exhorts them. If you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, right. if you exercise that faith, that, that seed has the power to germinate. If you sow that seed and if you nurture it, it can do the impossible. So, yeah, in context, yeah, this is pretty stark. I mean, his disciples, after more than two years of training, still have incredibly weak faith. And, yes, it's humbling, especially when you consider priests and bishops and us ministers in the church. Yes, we must recognize no humility that we must cry out to Jesus. Lord, increase our Amen. Praise be to God. Check him out online. HectorMolina.com is his website. HectorMolina.com. Hector, God bless you, my brother. We're looking forward to seeing you back next week. Thank you, brother. Praise be to God. Dive deep into the Gospels. Get ready for Mass. But on the other side of this break, it is Fear and Trembling, where you can win prizes. Call right now for your chance to win. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55, and 56 that the James and Joseph mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation 
by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas that you just can't tell anybody ever. Stop tweeting it right now. Stop that. Don't tweet that. You see what I'm saying? It spreads super fast. But if you will promise to keep it between us, then I shall share them with you. Number one, we like to teach the faith. And we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something, at least one thing. Praise be to God. And that's always a good time. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And our callers are certifiably amazing. Uh, and if you call right now, you'll have a great chance to play our game, 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Phone lines are wide open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game. And so uh, we, we learn stuff. We laugh. And we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved, right? Uh, so this is the deal, though. The catch is I have three Catholic trivia questions, and we don't ask the callers the questions. So they don't need to know the correct answers. They could not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game. Because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy and Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer then will go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. That phone number again, wide open phone lines today. Call now, 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. 9424-877-757-9424. Rudy, what could they win? It's over, Joe. It's over? It's over. Just like Coolio's life. Ouch. Um, well, our sponsor this week is CDT, and uh, it's over because we were out of coffee cup of Divine Providence replicas. We are? We just have one more. Only one? And the person this mm-hmm. week who gets drawn out of okay. the authentic coffee cup of Divine Providence oh, yeah. is going to win the very last cup, as oh. well as a copy of Dr. Christopher Malloy, mm-hmm. Malloy. Malloy mm-hmm. Malloy's book, yeah. False Mercy. Wow. Now, when you get your coffee cup of Divine Providence, it's going to be autographed. I see. So you can choose whether to put it on your shelf okay. or actually use it to drink things. Or sell it on eBay as a or collector's sell it on eBay for like a billion dollars or something. But I personally suggest mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they drink three cups of coffee a day because it helps supposedly your cardiovascular health. Is that right? According to the study that I quoted today. <sighs> well, you know, I've been saying now for a long time. Coffee's gross. 80 Delicious. ounces of coffee a day keeps the doctors away. Huh. Coffee's disgusting. Pretty sure I said mm. that at some point. Mm. You should just go with it. I'm just going to drink um, mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Just like that uh, lady who lived to be 100 years old. Really? She said, they asked her, what did you do that kept you alive? She said, I had a Dr. Pepper every single day. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm going to do what she did. Don't do that. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't do that. All right. Praise be to God. Uh, thank you, Catholic Drive Time, for giving us some uh, cool stuff to give away to our Check listeners. Check out their website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's an amazing website, yeah, by the way. It is. <laughs> so glorious. <laughs> Praise be to God. All right. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Chris and kids in Flower Mound, Texas. 
Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. I've already had four cups of coffee this morning. Wow. Oh, wow. You, sir, are obviously very intelligent. Is your heart beating out of your chest? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the secret to surviving kids? To Praise be to God. Now, are you guys on your way to dropping kids off at school? That's correct. What, what are the age ranges there? Right now, I have my 10-year-old, my 8-year-old, and 6-year-old in the car. How wonderful, guys. Are you guys looking forward to school? Yes, school is awesome. Praise be to God. Well, we're glad you're on the show today. Flower Mound, Texas, that's right outside the uh, small Texas town of Dallas, right? That's correct. We're just north of the DFW airport. Oh, really? I know the area very well. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, are you familiar with this game? Do you know how the rules work? Yes, we are, and we know. All right. Let's get started. We will start with... Uh, Brother Rudy Carlos, as is the custom, wearing his uh, classic, classic uh, blue tie with the paisle, paisleys. What are they called? Yeah, paisleys. This is the Pentecost fire tie. I see. Very nice. Mm -hmm. So correlate that information (laughs) based on his responses. Uh, All right. Uh, Good morning, Rudy. Are you ready? Good morning. I am. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you really sure? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you you confident as Mm -hmm. say Miss Maloney would be? In Italy, are you that confident? Should I do some gestures with my hands? You should be very Italian. Yes, Joe, I uh, am ready. Okay. I'm ready to play. All right, praise be to God. Can you tell me which saint is referred to as the bearer of Christ? The bearer of Christ. Uh, well, mm-hmm. that is St. Christopher. Is it? Yeah, believe sure. it or not. Make yeah. sure. the patron saint of travelers and... He's uh, the bearer of Christ. And the bearer of Christ. Was he Italian? Just curious. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, let's just see uh, what uh, Adrian has to say here. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Could you tell me which saint is referred to as the bearer of Christ, please? Mm. Yes, that would be Saint <gasps> Fraternus. Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Fraternus. And he... Definitely sounds Italian. Nope. No? French. Fraternus is yeah. French? He's bishop and martyr of France. Are you being serious? Yep. Are you pulling my leg? Nope. All right. But it's the 450s, so French hadn't really been developed oh, the way we know it. I today. see. I so see. they probably spoke Latin. They probably just spoke Latin. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, Chris and kids in Flower Mound, Texas, you've got options. Which saint is referred to as the bearer of Christ? Is it St. Fraternus, as Adrian is trying to get us to believe, or is it St. Christopher? As Rudy seemingly believes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Chris and kids, what say you? Joe, Divine Providence. My name is Christopher after Christophoros, <laughs> which in Greek means bearer of Christ. We're going to go through. Oh, wow. wow. Christophoros. What, what is the chances? Yeah, praise be to God. No pulling your leg, I guess. No, no. <laughs> no fastballs for you, praise be to God. That was an easy one then. <laughs> now, any, which which nationality is he? Does anybody remember? St. Christopher, I forget. Is he, he was, Greek? No. Well, the name is was, Greek. He was uh, from one of the heathen countries. I forget okay. where it was, though. Like Germany or something? No, it was... Uh, I have to look it up. All right. I'll put, I'll look St. Christopher is the correct answer. Let's see if we can't double your chances. He's with Canaanite. 
He's Canaanite. Was he? Yes. Are you being remember, serious? Because they call him a dog-headed person. Ah. He was from the Canaanites. <laughs> Goyin dog. Canine. Canine. Goyin dog. Yeah, I remembered. All there right, we here we go. Second question. We're going to go to Adrian this time. Uh, speaking of Goyin dogs, uh, Adrian, oh, man. <laughs> could you tell me a congregation of secular priests, a congregation of secular priests is called a congregation of what? Yes, that would be a congregation of the oratory. Oratory. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So secular priests mm -hmm. gather together mm -hmm. to be able to live mm -hmm. in community mm -hmm. is an oratory. Oratory. Sounds like a, a toothpaste commercial, but okay. Uh, Rudy, could you tell me a congregation of secular priests is called a congregation of what? Secular priests, you might think, oh, that's odd. What do you mean secular? Aren't mm -hmm. they... Religious, aren't they? Hmm. Anyway, they call themselves the Secret Society of Seculars Priests. Do they keep really? it under wraps, you know? Like, oh, uh -huh. we're not actually, we're secularists. Whoa. We're pretending to be priests. So you look to your left, you look to your right, and then you see secret priestly handshakes? Yeah. Oh. Actually, the illustration depicted uh -huh. one of them. Really? Yeah. They allow oh. women in there. Mind blown. Mm -hmm. All right, Chris and kids, you've got options here. A congregation of secular priests is called... Is it, as Rudy says, a secret society of secular priests? Or is it, as Adrian says, oratory? Quite a contrast there. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Chris and the kids, what say you? Adrian. <sighs> You're just going to say it like that? You're so wise. <laughs> truly, truly, this, is a very, this young lady is very brilliant. She's very, very beautiful. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Yes, sometimes we have to admit it. Adrian is right. Typically, uh -huh. they used to have a, every cathedral would have an oratory of mm -hmm. secular priests. So secular priest means priest living in the world. Yes. There you go. Oratory is the correct answer. You did well. You're in for two. I think we can uh, trip, get you uh, in the cup for three solid straight answers here. Let's go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? What is the completion of the eighth beatitude, sir? Is uh, the first half goes, "Blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice' sake." Blank. Fill it, please fill it in. Uh, you might say that they're in Spain, but the S is silent. Uh, but the continuation there is, "For they are meek and humble of heart." Really? Yes. Hmm. Meek and humble of heart, you say? Mm -hmm. Okay. Adrian, I know you have advanced degrees in Beatitudeology. Mm -hmm. If you could help mm -hmm. me here, blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice' sake. Could you fill the rest in, please? Yes. Uh, as someone who identifies having a PhD in Beatitudeology, as you had mentioned, uh, the clearly the answer is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, you said. Mm -hmm. All right, Chris and kids, this could be the trickiest. Is the eighth Beatitude completed with... For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as Adrian suggests, or is it for the meek and humble of heart, as Rudy is trying to get us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Chris and the kids in Flower Mound, Texas. What say you? Unfortunately, it's going to have to be Adrian again. Wow. What? <laughs> Masterful. Masterful. Unfortunately. That was that, your I think, show. I think his sister is obviously the smarter one of the family. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> cold. Yes, unfortunately, we do have to admit Adrian is correct at least twice today, and uh, it is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Completes the eighth beatitude. Well done, perfect score. You guys, you, you guys are amazing. God bless you guys. Enjoy your day at school. Soak up as much knowledge as you can. 
God bless you. I'm going to put you on hold, but uh, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Thanks for having a laugh with us. We always enjoy that. Join us in the after show. Let's get to know Pesky Jesuit. He's hanging out with us in studio. We're going to talk to him next. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Good morning, and welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the feast day of the archangels Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media. Sing with all the saints in glory, sing the resurrection song. Death and sorrow were stark story, to the former days belong. All around the clouds are breaking, soon the storms of time shall cease. In God's likeness we awaken, knowing everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Gloria in excelsis Deo, et in terra pax hominibus, bone voluntatis, laudamus te. Benedicimus te, 
adoramus te, glorificamus te, gratias agimus tibi, propter magnam gloriam tuam, domine Deus rex celestis, Deus pater omnipotens, Domine fili unigenite, Iesu Christe, Domine Deus agnus Dei, Filius Patris, Qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Qui tolis peccata mundi, Suscipete precationem nostram, Qui sedes ad dexteram patris, Miserere nobis, Quoniam tu solus sanctus, Tu solus dominus, Tu solus altissimus, Iesu Christe, Cum Santo Spiritus, In gloria Dei Patris, Amen. Let us pray. O God, who dispose in marvelous order ministries both angelic and human, graciously grant that our life on earth may be defended by those who watch over us as they minister perpetually to you in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Revelations. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. The dragon and its angels fought back, but they did not prevail. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. A huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have salvation and power come, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of its anointed. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who accuses them for our God day and night. They, re they required him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Responsorial Psalm. In the sight of the angels I will sing your praise, Lord. In the sight of the angels I will sing your praise, Lord. I will give you thank I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the word of my mouth. In the presence of the angels I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple 
and give thanks to your name. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praise, Lord. Because of your kindness and your truth, for you have made great above all things, your name and your promise. When I call, you answered me. You built up strength within me. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praise, Lord. All the kings of the earth shall give thanks to you, O Lord, when they hear the word of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. Great is the glory of the Lord. In the sight of the angels, I will sing your praise, Lord. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, all you angels, you ministers who do his will. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. celebrating today the great feast day of the archangels Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Of course, we know and believe in faith that angels play a very prominent role in our moral and spiritual life. The presence of angels in our life is, of course, well attested to in sacred scripture. Today, of course, we are celebrating the three great archangels, Gabriel meaning the strength of God, Raphael meaning God who heals, and Michael meaning he who is like God. Each of them special messengers of God, special representatives to assist us on our journey toward heaven. I suppose from a purely philosophical or rational perspective, one could also say that when we look out into the world around us and note the tremendous hierarchy of being that exists in our world from inanimate things to vegetative things to purely animal life to we human beings who are a composition of matter and spirit, it also would seem to fit and to make sense then that there would be a realm of purely spiritual beings created by God and this is precisely what we call angels. Today in a special way I'd like to speak a little bit about Saint Michael the Archangel. Saint Michael has a very powerful role in sacred scripture and in our faith life in that Michael is the one who in scripture is called to fight against Satan. Now, sometimes people make the mistake of thinking the devil or Satan is the opposite of God. But remember, God who is almighty and infinite, there is no opposite to him. 
He is utterly unique. If you wanted an opposite of Satan or the devil, the opposite would really be St. Michael the Archangel. Both spiritual beings, both angels, one fallen and the other one who is like God and serving him in all things. When we look at the attack of Satan that St. Michael is fighting against, I think we can put it in a few different ways. But one perspective is to say one of Satan's goals surely is to cause disorder in the moral life. In particular, if Satan can convince us that there is not a natural order to our human action, if there is not a right order to our human action, but rather it is all incredibly arbitrary and entirely up to we human beings to decide what is right and wrong, well, that would be a magnificent achievement on his part. And very sadly, in the society in which we live and in our culture, we can see that this disorder has in fact taken place. And in a large part, we see it in, in particular with respect to the conjugal act, where the natural order of a union between a man and woman order toward life in a sacred covenant of marriage is something which has been disordered to mean something completely different for so many in our society. So Satan desires to create disorder in our moral life. And the disorder in our moral life, ultimately, he would like to lead to the disintegration of family life. The family is, of course, the bedrock of society. It's the most fundamental and basic unit of society and culture. If the family unit is sick, if the family unit is disintegrated, well then so too will society and culture be sick and disintegrated. In many ways, the disorder in people's personal moral life creeps over and becomes an element of disintegration in the family, and this then is impacted and felt by all of society. And thirdly, I think we can also say, in continuing with these disses of Satan, disorder in the moral life, disintegration of the family, and disunity in the church is also a goal of his as well. Because if he can have us in the church in a way fighting against one another or to be split and divided, it also then diminishes the credibility of our church, which we know is called to be a living sign of the communion of the Most Holy Trinity. And so expressions of disunity ultimately lead to being an account of discredibility against the church herself who is called to be an instrument of communion of the most holy trinity that brings order to the moral and spiritual life and that brings integration into the family life and therefore into the bedrock of society all of this of course we know is opposed vehemently by Saint Michael the Archangel and the host of angels of heaven and of course the power of God. Saint Michael the Archangel also has the special role of rescuing the souls of the faithful from the power of the enemy especially at the hour of death. Michael is the one who imposes him, who opposes him, he is the one who is there to fight at our side. My brothers and sisters, Saint John Paul II used to say that our individual human lives really are something incredibly dramatic. Sometimes life can seem a little mundane and repetitive, but he made the point to say every single day of our life we are in a battle to choose good and to avoid evil. We're in a battle to choose order apart from disorder. We're in a battle to choose 
integration as opposed to disintegration and a battle to choose unity and communion over disunity. Every day in our moral life we make choices in that regard and that ultimately shapes our character and our eternal destiny and has a great impact on those people who are around us and those in society. And so today on this feast day of the Archangels Michael, Gabriel and Raphael, let us give thanks to God that he has sent to us a host of spiritual helpers on our way to assist us in being able to choose the good and to reject evil and thus to be able to foil the insidious plot of the enemy. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all bishops and government leaders that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in their decisions. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering. That they would be given consolation in their faith. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for all those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Set your hands for the praise and the glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. We offer you a sacrifice of praise, O Lord, humbly entreating that as these gifts are borne by the ministry of angels into the presence of your majesty, so you may receive them favorably and make them profitable for our salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, and to praise you without end in your archangels and angels. For the honor we pay the angelic creatures in whom you delight, 
redounds to your own surpassing glory. And by their great dignity and splendor, you show how infinitely great you are to be exalted above all things through Christ our Lord. Through him the multitude of angels extols your majesty, and we are united with them in exultant adoration. As with one voice of praise we acclaim, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more, giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, 
fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, cui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, cui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, cui tolis peccatamundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. The body of Christ. the body of Christ. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who has washed us in the tide Flowing from his pierced side 
Praise we Him whose love divine Gives His sacred blood for wine Gives His body for the feast Christ the victim, Christ the priest Let us pray Having been nourished with heavenly bread, we beseech you humbly, O Lord, that drawing from its new strength, under the faithful protection of your angels, we may advance boldly along the way of salvation, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Sing of Mary, pure and lowly, Virgin Mother undefiled. Sing of God's own Son, most holy, Who became her little child, Fairest child of fairest mother, God the Lord who The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Vilma from St. Thomas, Mar